We're back, folks. We're back. Welcome into the NARP Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Logan. On today's episode, we're going to do something a little different. It's week seven in the NFL, and that means it's just about the halfway point of most fantasy league regular seasons. Instead of going over matchups and recaps this week, I'm going to give you some tips and tricks for the rest of the season because, you know what, it's my show and I'll do what I want. And so I'm going to skip matchups this week and talk about 10 tips and tricks that are going to get you from this point in the season to the playoffs and beyond. So without further ado, let's get into the midseason tips and tricks. That number one, stop living in the past. The guys you drafted aren't the guys you need to start anymore. If you picked a wide receiver to be your wide receiver two or wide receiver three, and they're not playing well, you don't have to feel obligated to start him. Yeah, For example, Juju Smith-Schuster, he has not panned out. He has not been good. He's been outplayed by a combination of Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and even last week, James Washington. So don't feel bad that you're starting Claypool over him if you got him. Same goes for Marvin Jones and T.Y. Hilton. They've been busts at this point. They're probably droppable. T.Y. Hilton had a decent game last week, but stop forcing them into your lineup if it's not an opportunistic matchup. Just because you drafted them early or drafted them to be a starter, it's week seven. You don't have to start the guys that you drafted high on. Same goes for the other positions. For example, Mark Ingram on the Ravens, he was start. I mean, he was drafted kind of like a zero RB strategy to be a running back two, maybe even your running back one. But he's not startable anymore. Uh, you've got guys like James Robinson who are far superior options than Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram should be dropped. He's hurt and he's on a bye. So don't live in the past is my number one tip. The guys you drafted, you fell in love with. You wanted them to be on your lineups, but. It's too late. It's week seven. You have to move on. If they're not performing, you move on and start somebody else. My number two tip is quarterbacks are replaceable. If someone offers you a star quarterback for your best position player or second best position player, do not take the trade, even if your quarterback sucks. Position players are more important than quarterbacks because you start more of them. There's a larger difference between the best ones and the lower tier of them. For uh, an illustration of this, the top five quarterbacks through week six averaged 26.9 points per game on average. So that's the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes, the uh, Kyler Murray, uh, the top guys. That includes Dak Prescott, who was top five. If you move down to QB six through 12, they averaged 21.7 points per game. So you're going down about five points per game from the top five to the 6 through 12 range, and that is where you're capped off at starting caliber quarterbacks. So between top 5 and 6 through 12, you're losing about 5 points per game at quarterback. But here's the big stat. Quarterbacks 13 through 17, which means that they're outside of starting worthy quarterbacks in a 12-team league, they average 19 points per game. So just under 3 points less than a quarterback 6 through 12. So if you have a quarterback 13 or 14, it's just about the same as arguably the quarterback seven or so. So if someone offers you a top five quarterback and you've got a top 12 or even a top 17 quarterback, 
don't bite and give up a really good running back or wide receiver for them. It's just not worth it. You can replace the quarterback position. Uh, when you look at the running back position, the top five guys average 23.6 points per game. So, yes, they score less than a quarterback, but it's all relative because if you look out outside of the top uh, 12, running backs 13 through 17 average 15.9 points per game, and that's in PPR. So you're already going over seven points lower going from RB1 status to RB2, the top five of RB2s. And those are guys that you still have to start. They're your RB2s, and they're already seven points less than an RB1. And then if you go one step further and you look at the RBs 25 through 29, they only average 12.7 points per game. So the value of having a top five running back or even a top 13 to 17 running back is far more important than having a top five quarterback. You can replace the quarterback. You can't replace a top tier running back. So if you don't have two top 24 running backs, you're looking at 12.7 points per game at best. And that's if you hit on a running back 25 through 29. It gets way worse. The drop off is terrible. So you can start a quarterback outside the top 12 and get 19 points on average. And the drop-off is just much less. So number two tip, quarterbacks are replaceable. The exception for that, I will say, is two quarterback leagues. You need you need a second quarterback who's good in a, in a two-quarterback league. They're a lot less replaceable in two quarterback leagues. Uh, for example, one league I'm in, there's like no quarterbacks that start on the waivers right now. Maybe Sam Darnold at best. I mean, two is on my team. So every quarterback that's starting is scooped up by guys and so you need to prioritize that position in two quarterback or super flex leagues. My number three tip, check waivers for guys on buys and on IR. Some weeks there's going to be teams who drop valuable players to waivers because they're on buy and they need someone to start now in their lineups. That is your opportunity to check on Wednesday or Thursday to see who is dropped. And if you have some flexibility with your, your bench, you can add those guys and have them on your team coming off by, and now they're done with buys. You don't have to worry about their buys, and you've taken them. So looking at this week, if there's guys on the Ravens available, or you've got guys on who's also who else is on by? The Ravens, the Vikings. Uh, I, I'm I'm blanking on who else is on by, but you get the point. Check those guys. It's going to be tough to spot them because they're not projected for any points. So you have to look at guys who are on buy by searching them on waivers. You're not going to be able to say, oh, this guy's projected for 10. I'm going to pick him up. They're projected for zero this week. They're not playing. But you want to look at the waivers for guys on buy that were dropped on the first day of waivers and scoop them up if they're worth it. There's also going to be guys on waivers who should be returning from IR at some point. The way that IR is working this year is that it's only a minimum of three games before a guy can come back. We saw that with Le'Veon Bell. Doubtful that people dropped him. But uh, somebody like Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz is out for four to six weeks. Goddard should be back at some point. If you have IR spots on your bench, it's not a bad idea to stash some guys who are planning on returning from IR and putting them on your bench. We saw Sterling Shepard come back on Thursday night and have a touchdown and a, a handful of receptions and have a good fantasy day you could have stashed him already if, 
if you had seen that he was coming off IR, you could have added him before that breakout instead of fighting for a bunch of people with a bunch of people to add him next week when waivers process again. So tip number three, check waivers for guys on buys and on IR with the opportunity to return. Tip number four, target the desperate. We're six weeks in. There are teams sitting at two and four, three and three, one and five, oh and six on the cusp between calling it a lost year and making one last push for the playoffs and exploit their desperation. Offer them two for one trades for the best players. If they have a lot of guys on buy, offer some players for the players on buy. The worst that can happen is they say no. Is they say no. Uh, so if you're at five and one, four and two, six and zero, oh, if you're lucky, start targeting those teams that are in the losing uh, column of the league. If they're down in the standings, send them trade offers. The worst they they can say is no. So offer them trades that you think are going to uh, improve your starting lineup, especially guys who are on buy. So. For example, Dalvin Cook's on buy. The likelihood that someone who owns Dalvin Cook is going to trade him is low, but it's worth just sending an offer and seeing if they take it. Uh, we're going to see more and more buys coming up, and star players are going to be not playing for a week. Teams that are desperate need to win now, and so they may be willing to dump their best players for guys that are going to produce in that week specifically so that they can pick up a win and then figure it out from there. So tip number four is target the desperate, look in your standings, click on those teams that are doing poorly, and see if you can steal some of their players with two-for-one deals. Number five tip kind of goes along with number four, and that's if you're on the wrong side of your record. Don't quit. If you're one of those teams sitting at one and five, don't quit, and there's two reasons why you're not going to quit. Number one, fantasy football is a week-to-week game. Anything can happen. Uh, you have injuries to your lineup, you have poor performances, you have the second most points in the week, but you're playing the team with the most points in the week, and you get losses. Some of those losses are warranted, some of them are just unlucky. All you have to do is win the current week to stay in the hunt. So if you're 1-5 right now, or even 0-6, you still have the chance to make the playoffs and make a run as long as you manage things well and you don't quit. This is going to be the turning point of the, of the year, so if you start piling up more losses, it could be impossible to come back statistically or mathematically. If you fall to, to one and six or one and seven, you're going to be hard pressed to make the playoffs. But that brings me to number two reason why you don't quit. It's just poor sportsmanship and it can ruin the league. Giving up is just bad all around for the league's health. If there are people who stop setting their lineups and they leave guys in who are on buys or they're injured, it just diminishes the experience of the entire league. And the wins start to feel cheap for other teams, and people start complaining that, oh, so-and-so faced the team that's not even playing anymore. It's not fair. It just sucks the fun out of it. So don't quit on the league, even if your team's out of it. It's good practice for next year. Keep trying to win. Try to upset the teams that are making the playoffs. Try to disrupt other teams' seasons. Try to, to, to ruin their season by kicking them out of the playoffs too. So there's still opportunities to have fun in fantasy, even if you're not going to make the playoffs. Try to spoil someone else's success. If you're in the last week or two and you're playing a team on the cusp of the playoffs, taking away their chance at the playoffs is going to feel 
good. It might it's a consolation. It's not going to feel as good as making the playoffs or the championship, but there's still ways to have fun in fantasy even if you are out of the playoffs the the hunt. It's it is what it is. You have poor seasons, but you don't quit. It's just poor sportsmanship. And that's tip number 5. Don't give up even if your team is bad. Tip number 6, use the flex for high upside or safe floor depending on your matchup. If your lineup is set to go and you're just trying to figure out the flex, you're going to want to look at the matchup for the week. If you're going up against the best team in the league, put in a guy that has the opportunity to put up a huge game, but maybe an equally likely chance of doing almost nothing. For example, a guy like Henry Ruggs can do so much with just a few touches, but if he doesn't get those touches, then he could put up a goose egg or like two points. But if he does do something, then you could see something like 20 points, which is what he was close to before that bye week. So if you're if you're projected to lose by a lot going into the week, you're going to want to take risks and put guys in who have high ceilings. Somebody who could score a big, long touchdown and maybe have nothing, but it's worth starting him because you didn't have that much of a chance anyway, and you're maximizing your ceiling and opportunity for a high score. On the other hand, if you're playing a team that you should beat easily and you're projected to dominate, put in a guy who has a safe floor. That way you're almost guaranteeing yourself a certain amount even if the guy isn't someone who will put up a huge day. For example, a running back like James White isn't going to blow you away with a bunch of yardage and touchdowns, but he has enough passing volume and targets that he's going to put together something like 10 to 12 points on any given week. He's not going to go too much higher than that or too much lower than that. So if you just need a solid start and you're projected to win by a lot, then put in someone who's safe, someone like James White, uh, instead of someone like Henry Ruggs who might put up zero and sabotage your week. Um, so tip number six, look at your matchup projections and use the flex for high upside or safe floor depending on your matchup. Tip number seven, utilize your IR spot. If your league hopefully has an IR spot, use it to your advantage. So if you're on a Friday and a guy gets ruled out, we saw that with Joe Mixon this week, and your IR spot is vacant, put Joe Mixon on IR and add a high upside guy for the weekend. Hopefully you're quick enough and you had a Giovanni Bernard who is starting in place of Joe Mixon this week. If not, look at the backups of the best running backs in the league and pick up their handcuff. So, an example for this, uh, way back when in week two or three, I told a uh, I told a coworker to add Mike Davis the weekend that CMC ended up getting hurt. So Christian McCaffrey was healthy going in. My coworker had an empty IR spot, and I said, "Yeah, go ahead, add somebody like Mike Davis or Darrington Evans, who was Derrick Henry's backup at the time. And in case they get hurt, that's going to be a really valuable player." Now, he added Josh Kelly instead, which at the time didn't seem like a bad idea because he was getting uh, some surprising production for the Chargers. But he could have had Mike Davis instead before anyone even had a chance to add him on waivers, and he didn't end up getting him. So hindsight's twenty twenty. but if you have an IR spot vacant and somebody gets ruled out of your team, put them in IR, IR and then on Saturday or Sunday, go out and pick up a valuable handcuff to the best running backs in the league. Something like this week, I mean, we had Giovanni Bernard become valuable because Joe Mixon is out. I'm thinking 
let's see, what's a running back that's a star? Alvin Kamara. If Latavius Murray, for some reason, is on your waivers, add Latavius Murray. And then if Kamara, some, for some reason, gets hurt, then you have his really high valuable, high upside backup. James Conner, Chris Carson, or someone, if they got hurt, you'll, you could add Carlos Hyde or you could add Benny Snell on Saturday using your IR spot. And then you have them if one of them got hurt. And if they don't, then you just drop them. And it's no skin off, off your back. So add a high value handcuff and then just ride out Sunday. And if that running back gets hurt in front of him, great. You have his backup. And if he doesn't get hurt, then just drop the backup. It's that simple. Number seven is utilize your IR spot. Number eight is reading injury reports. Check your roster news throughout the week to monitor injuries. This can impact your start decisions. We saw a bunch of injuries happen this week during practice. Michael Thomas is out again. Emmanuel Sanders is out because of COVID list. uh, Giovanni Bernard is starting for the Bengals because Joe Mixon was ruled out. So you're going to want to follow that throughout the week, and you can either make ads because of that knowledge, or you can make start-sit decisions if guys aren't. 100% 100% healthy. So one thing, I mean, I saw Robert Woods might have gotten hurt in practice, and that's making me concerned. And for now, I have him in my lineup, but that could change depending on more updates. So you want to read those injury reports. And then check for injuries around your players and other teams' players. For example, I keep saying Gio Bernard, but I added him in my league because I saw Joe Mixon was out. I don't have Joe Mixon. I didn't necessarily need Bernard. But now I'm starting him in my lineup because he could be an RB2 as the starter this week. So if your player is mostly a backup or a secondary option, uh, but the starter's out, they all of a sudden become a lot more valuable that week. So you're going to want to follow the injuries on your team as well as the teams around your league. A good tool for checking this info is rotoworld.com. That's a plug. I'm not sponsored by them, obviously. No one sponsors me because I don't get that many listeners. But RotoWorld is a useful tool for checking up-to-date player news. It's really in easy bits. And a lot of the things that you see on the ESPN app or Yahoo or uh, or or the NFL fantasy app, they actually pull that info from Roto World. So you can just get it directly from the source by going to their website or following them on Twitter. My number nine tip is check matchups and weather reports ahead of the games. Who a player's team is playing and where they're playing can impact the player's output. So if you're deciding between who to start and, for example, one wide receiver is playing a top five defense outside in wintry conditions and the second wide receiver is playing a middle-of-the-road defense in a dome, the advantage might go to that second wide receiver for who to start if you're really trying to figure out who to start. So look at the matchups, follow the weather reports. If it's raining or snowing, it could diminish the offensive output. So keep that in mind when you're deciding between a few players. Uh, dome games tend to be the safest. Uh, they have a lot of scoring for some, I mean, it's just controlled environment. So you know what you're going to get and therefore it's easier to predict what's going to happen on the field versus if you're playing in Buffalo in December, you might have a a blizzard and that's going to cut down on the ability for a team to pass the ball. And you want to follow that as, as, as sure as the, the weather is getting colder, you need to be following that even more than usual because it's going to start snowing in some places. And if it comes down to weather or weather, 
whether weather is good or not, it could impact your start sit decision. And finally, the last tip from me is to look at the over-unders and spreads for games. This is almost like a pro tip at this point. You can learn a lot about projected outcomes and potential for fantasy points from the Vegas totals that's betting-wise. So an example, if you look and you see that the Cowboys and the Redskins, I mean the Washington football team are playing and you've got a certain over-under, it's going to indicate what Vegas expects to happen. So if you have a 55-point over-under, then that's going to indicate a high-scoring game. And then if you see that it's a 43-point over-under, that's a lower-scoring game. So you want to target guys who are playing in higher-scoring over-unders because that means more opportunities for projected fantasy touchdowns. So, I mean, obviously 55, and the difference between 55 and 43 is almost two touchdowns. So that is anticipating that a game with 55-point over-under is going to have two more touchdowns scored than a 43-point over-under. And you want players in that 55-point game versus a 43-point game. Obviously, Vegas can be wrong, and they are wrong with relative frequency, but they make money for a reason, and they tend to be pretty accurate with projecting the over-unders on games. So take a look at those and decide on some start-sit decisions potentially by looking at the over-unders. Also, the spread is important. So you can't just look at the 55-point over-under because if one team is favored by 13, it means the winning team is projected to win 34-21. to 21. And you want to target players on the favorite teams because they're projected for more points and touchdowns. So the over-under can be deceiving if it's projected to be a blowout. You don't want to pick players necessarily from a team who's projected for, what, 16 points because that's two touchdowns plus two two-point conversions. Even if it was like a 48-point over-under, if a team's projected to win by 16, then that's a 32-16 to 16 game, and you certainly don't want the players on the 16-point side. So don't only look at the over-under, also look at the spread. And the form that the spread takes is you're going to see a minus or a plus next to the team. And that means that's how many points they're going to win or lose by projected by Las Vegas. So looking at Vegas odds, again, can help you decide between start-sit decisions in a pinch. It shouldn't completely determine what you're doing with your lineups, but it can help inform you and make good decisions. So that's it for my 10 tips and tricks for the mid-season point of the of the fantasy football season. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me let me know by rating and subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review if possible. And then follow me on Twitter at NARPDAD. And uh, again, I've enjoyed making this podcast. Hopefully you enjoy listening to it shoot me a DM on Twitter or follow me and uh, we can continue talking fantasy football on the NARP fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Derek Logan and good luck in week seven.